we were married eight and a half years. So we met in 2000. We married in September 29th of 2001. And then 2010 came and I I had had an at-home business. I was working my virtual assistant business, had started that successfully in 2005, was working it, working my tail off with it, raising my son, taking care of my husband. He had been re-diagnosed in November of 2007. And... Then, so thankfully I had my business, so I was able to have that flexibility and freedom to come and go, take care of him, take, you know, my son was no problem in high school whatsoever. He was just, he was wonderful. And then, of course, my mom was here. So in 2010, Cody graduated high school. In June, he had to have major jaw surgery. And then in July, my husband passed away. And then in August, Cody went off to college. So I went from having a full household to nobody in my household except for me and my dogs. So that was my huge adjustment back into reality world that now I have to start all over again and figure out how I'm gonna do this again. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, today's show is fascinating with Joe Hausman. Now, I had a chance to be on Joe's show not that long ago. It's called Go For It on Voice America. But Joe has been through so much. She's a life coach. She talks about grief. And you will be astounded at how much Joe has been through, yet her attitude is so positive and resilient. And so we just look forward to you joining us uh, with that show here in a second. But before we get into the show with Joe, uh, just a reminder, one of the things we talk about with Joe is just getting to know yourself. Why are so many people not doing what they love doing is because of fear. And so my encouragement is that you could use some of the CRG resources, my book, The Quest for Purpose. And so that really is a roadmap to get clear about who you want to be in your life, but also the assessments around personal style or entrepreneurship or wellness or leadership or sales, uh, or values, all of these are there uh, for you to take you to the next level. And if you have a team, well, then it's critically important that you get to know each other so that we can play to our strengths and go to the next level. And as we've mentioned in the past, if you like what we're doing, could you please share, pass it on, let other people know, um, you know, retweet, whatever it is that you're doing. And could you also leave a review on one of the, on any of the platform or the platform that you are listening to. Now, we also have some exciting news around the launch of our first e-course called Why Aren't You More Like Me, which is based on my book of the same content. And we really go in depth. And this is over five hours of video that we shot last year to be able to put into this e-course. It's my one day workshop or our one-day workshop here at CRG that's based on the personal style indicator. You get the PSI with you with it, and what a powerful process to be able to take yourself to the next level of understanding, understanding your personal style, how to read and understand others, how to go to the next level. And when we think about it, everything in life is about relationships. And if you can't build relationships or don't know yourself or others, then our ability to build successful or positive relationships are hindered, then Why Aren't You More Like Me is gonna address that from a team point of view, from a career point of view, from a personal relationship point of view, uh, everything. It's just that powerful. And when I first came across this tool, 
1988, it transformed my life and it will do the same thing to yourself and to everybody. And we have now this full five plus hour course for you to take and myself on video will be able to sharing with you the insights of why aren't you more like me. Go to the CRG site, crgleader.com go under products, look at online or e-courses, Wired More Like Me, and you will get all the details there. Thanks again for listening. Now here's our show with Joe. Well, today's guest is awesome. I had the fortunate opportunity to be on her show recently called Go For It with an exclamation mark. And she really helps to serve individuals, helps women grow their entrepreneurial business, coaching people, life skills. Please welcome to the show, Joe Husman. Joe, thank you, Ken. It's great to have you. And well, thank you for having me. To, it's great to have a fellow podcast host and radio. You're on voiceamerica.com, uh, radio host, podcast host uh, on the show today. So we know, listeners, we know it's just going to rock, don't we? Absolutely. Okay. Two podcast hosts, how can it not? Yeah, of course, of course. So, Joe, I mean, as we uh, do in most shows here at SOS, is we like to kind of get to know our guests and have them introduce themselves and their journey. So let's just kind of start with at the beginning is, you know, your history of growing up, uh, high school years, that kind of stuff. Where did you, where were you born and where did you hang out and what was some of your life like, um, you know, right up to high school? Wow, that's taken me back quite a few years, Ken. I had a wonderful childhood growing up. I was born in Pierre, South Dakota. And ironically enough, we didn't live too far. And Pierre is where our state capital is. And I didn't, grow, I didn't live too far from the state capital. So I actually grew up playing like on our governor's mansion lawn and hanging out at the capital. And because I didn't know any different, that was just within walking distance. And my father at that time worked for state government. And then we moved down by Brandon, South Dakota, which is right by Sioux Falls, which is the biggest city in South Dakota. And unfortunately, when I was 11, my father passed away of a major heart attack. Hmm. But my mom, I, had two older, I have two other brothers, but my mom did such a fantastic job raising us. She, she really taught me, and I, I'm sure my brothers as well, but she taught me how to be strong even when we don't know what else to do in life. And she wanted to raise my brothers and I the same way her and my dad would have raised us. So she never did get remarried, but she survived with perseverance and she went back and got some education because she had stayed home after us kids were born. And then she went back into the workforce back when I was about a freshman in high school and I was really heavily involved in sports as were my brothers. And then I was the first one to go to college out of my family, of my, my brothers and I, and I got a volleyball scholarship to college. Wow. So I wasn't even looking for a volleyball scholarship. I just happened to get one. And lo and behold, so I went off and I got my um, Bachelor of Arts degree in human services. Now, what, wow. was, uh, what was driving that versus any other degree that you could get? Ironically, when I was like in seventh and eighth grade, I always wanted to do communications. I wanted to be in the communication field and I wanted to be on, I actually wanted to be a radio DJ when I was in seventh and eighth grade, but I then realized they didn't make a lot of money. So 
one of my brothers had gotten into a lot of trouble in high school and my mom handled it very well as best as she could but that's really what drove me into human services because I wanted to be able to go help others I wanted to be able to maybe help people that had been from broken homes or you know had you know somebody that had gotten in trouble so I, that's how I got into human services lo and behold I also found out they didn't what they didn't pay well but it was something that I absolutely loved doing was helping families and helping other people grow and be better. And so that's why I went into that field. And then I ended up working for state government in that same capacity for 10 years. So following dad's footsteps a little bit. A little bit, yep, exactly. So what were you doing for those 10 years in state government? I work for what's called Disability Determination Services, which is technically we work for Social Security Disability. I made the medical determination for disability claims under the Social Security Administration. So when people would apply for Social Security benefits, medical benefits, we were making the decision if they were allowed or not allowed. Mm. And it was a very, very interesting time in my life because when I was in college, I, at one point in time in college, I even thought about doing nursing. But then I saw how much they had to study, and I wanted more of a social life. Right. So in reality, I kind of got that nursing part of it into where I got to read medical records and then give them off to our medical doctors on staff. And so it was very fascinating to me. I was very fascinated within that medical jargon and learning the med different medical conditions that people suffered from all along while trying to get medical benefits. Mm hmm so what was really driving you to be to do that job? I mean, you could do a lots of different jobs, and we think about entrepreneurship and the, and the listeners here at SOS. Ironically enough, when I, right out of college, I married um, my boyfriend from college, and we were only married a couple of years, but we were divorced real young, and I had my son, who is now 27, but at that time, I was a young single mom, newly divorced, didn't know which way I was going to turn. I was working a job that I wasn't making hardly any money at. And I saw this opening, and I thought, I think I can do that. So I applied for it, interviewed, and got it right away. And they had wonderful benefits and wonderful – they were just really, really good to me for being a single mom at that time, back in the mm -hmm. early 90s. It was so much so that – I wanted to be able to eventually, as I started my own business years on down the road, is I wanted to be able to give back that same kind of service that they gave me at that time. Now, from that same job, I was able to move around from state to state, but I had to apply at the different states. So I actually was in four different states doing that. Each state was different. Each state was unique, but it also gave me a chance to grow and learn. And my ideal was I wanted to be a supervisor. I wanted, that was my goal. Uh, and so at 26 years old, I moved halfway across the country with my little boy in tow. He was only two and a half. And we moved to a totally different state, knew nobody, and where made a life you, Where did you move to, Joe? Nevada, of all places. Oh. Oh, yeah, Las Carson Vegas, City, Nevada. Yeah. <laughs> and I always wanted to go to Colorado. My goal was Colorado, but they had a hiring freeze on for actually several years. So from Nevada, I moved to Iowa and still in pursuit of Colorado, and I was in Iowa for a couple of years, and then I was finally able, I got that opening in Colorado and got over there and was there for quite a few years. Wow. Now, what was really motivating the state-to-state -state move? Was it uh, perceived as a sort of move up in your position, or what was driving the, I mean, because it's quite a bit to uproot 
your family and to move. Yeah. I was still a single mom all through all that time. I was a single mom for 10 years. I wanted better for myself. I wanted better for my child. And I wanted to make more money. You know, I really, and I wanted to be a supervisor. That, I, that was like my end goal is to be a supervisor. So when, when I was in Colorado, I got that opportunity to be acting supervisor. And then when I got there, I realized, well, this isn't as great as what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> so what what was the so these these are good insights for people that are listening, Joe. Yeah. What was the what did you discover uh, your perception or your dream or your vision of what the role was and what it wasn't? What where was the disconnect? What what did you discover? Once I once I became that position, I realized that it wasn't as glorious or glamorous as I thought it was going to be. I guess I thought when I was going to be a supervisor that all these people would come to me, I would know all the answers and be able to help them and in reality what was happening is a lot of people were complaining a lot of people were not happy a lot of people were coming to me with all their issues and a lot of people were just wanting to complain more than they wanted to work and at that same time our director at that office and he was wonderful but he was trying to build us higher and higher so we ended up having to do some things that I didn't think were really good for us as like telling people they were denied face-to-face instead of like a letter. And that only went on for a short time. It was a very short trial period. But into that retrospect, I didn't feel safe because, you know, I yes, people are going to get upset. People are going to be mad because they're counting on that. And I, and I don't blame them for that because when you apply for benefits, you plan on getting them. And when you're turned down, it's very upsetting and it's very, um, people get very upset. So it was really hard mm-hmm. to tell people fate, if we could, you know, if they're across the state, then we weren't able to, but so, and that only happened for a short time. And I have no idea now how they do it, but this was back again in the nineties. So that was really upsetting to me. And then people, of course, were coming to me and complaining. And there wasn't anything I could do about it. And that was really kind of the start of my entrepreneurial jury. Also, at that time, I was able to work from home for a short period of time on a trial basis. They were really good about trying these different techniques, which I really liked about that. Well, that would have been a breakthrough to work from home in the 90s. Lately. It was, yeah, it was probably at this point, it was about 1999, 2000, maybe 1999, I think. And yeah, and it was wonderful, though, because then, you know, my son was in elementary school, I was able to walk and pick him up from school and bring him home. And it was, it was a big breakthrough. And it was, like I said, they were very forward thinking, which I really liked about that office. They were very um, willing to take chances, which, of course, I love as an entrepreneurial spirit in myself but that was really my first taste of working from home and I'm like I like this I like this a lot and still having the flex flexibility and freedom to do what I wanted to do as long as I got the work done that was amazing and it was only went on for three months it was a three-month trial period then they brought us back into the office and then I'm like oh I don't like this so much anymore I want that flexibility and freedom that I had for those three months now did you maintain being the supervisor while you were remote no, no, I did not. I uh, actually stepped back from that role so I could go remote. Wow. So focused on being a supervisor and then realized it wasn't exactly what you had hoped it to be. Absolutely. And once I realized that and they were these had these remote positions available, I went to them and said, hey, would that be something I could do? And they said, well, you have to step back then from your position. I said, I'm fine with that. 
I'd rather go home. You know, if I have the flexibility and freedom to be with my son at that time, uh, that's what I want. Mm -hmm. And so family time to me was more important than, so it's kind of how it reversed all as he got a little bit older, that more the family time and being able to be with him was more important than being a supervisor. And being a single mom also brings out, I mean, it's one of your hearts of really serving the women in entrepreneurship is that you really had a, a dynamic that required you or if given the option that that really served your dynamics that was going on yes absolutely yeah and then you know being a single mom for all those years I know exactly what women go through and I suppose even men now because a lot of men are single parents too but you just know what's going on you know you just you know I know a lot of single moms now that I'm helping and I said I get it I know it's you know, but it's what we do is what makes us determined to even be better people. Mm. And really, through no fault of your own or the dynamics that went on, is your mom became a single mom as a result of the passing of your dad. So uh, you really experienced that on the other side of it as an 11-year-old. Absolutely. And actually, you know, I drew a lot of strength from her, knowing that she had done it, but in a different way. And ironically, how I'd find out almost the same as what she went through but it's, it was really I drew from her strength, and I, re I remember how she did it. Well, what I remember as a teenager, how she did it, and that's exactly how I wanted to raise my son is the same way she raised us. Oh, great. Well, thank you, Joe, for that story. So here you are. You're in Colorado. You're really starting to get this entrepreneurial stir. So then what happened next? Well, I was still looking for, you know, a wonderful man to come into our life, but I'll be honest, I wasn't looking real hard. And all of a sudden, my friend said, hey, I think we should, I think I want you to meet this guy. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I met him, and nothing happened. And we went out. It was at a Christmas party we were at. And we and six months later, and I did say, I said, hey, if you ever find out he's single, you let me know. Well, six months later, she called me at work, and she said, are you sitting down? And I said, yeah. She goes, well, I gave that guy your phone number. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Don't be giving out my phone number to anybody. Anyway, <laughs> wonderful man. Thing. Yeah, wonderful man. We, uh, are, we met in April of 2000, and we married in September of 2001, shortly after 9-11. And he was absolutely just a wonderful, wonderful man. He became my son's stepdad and was just a wonderful father to him as well. We, then I talked him into moving back here to the Midwest, to South Dakota, because of the fact that my mom was here and all of his family had moved out of Colorado. And up until that point, I had then quit the state job. We had lived out in the country, and I started an uh, entrepreneurial network marketing business with a network marketing business. So I was really doing quite well with that. We were actually doing quite well with that. And then I talked him into moving back here to the Midwest, to South Dakota to be closer to my mom. And he took me two years, but I got him to move back. And then, unfortunately, he had had an illness prior to me meeting him, and that illness came back and eventually took his life, which was unfortunate because, like I said, he was just a wonderful man. Hmm. Hmm. And so how long had you been married at that point in his passing? In his passing, we were married eight and a half years. Okay. So we met in 2000, we married in September 29th of 2001, and then 2010 came, and I had had an at-home business, I was working my virtual assistant business, had started that, 
successfully in 2005 was working it, working my tail off with it, raising my son, taking care of my husband. He had been re-diagnosed in November of 2007. And... Then, so thankfully I had my business, so I was able to have that flexibility and freedom to come and go, take care of him, take, you know, my son was no problem in high school whatsoever. He was just, he was wonderful. And then, of course, my mom was here. So in 2010, Cody graduated high school. In June, he had to have major jaw surgery. And then in July, my husband passed away. And then in August, Cody went off to college. So I went from having a full household to nobody in my household except for me and my dogs. So that was my huge adjustment back into reality world that now I have to start all over again and figure out how I'm going to do this again. But this time now, I don't have a little boy with me. It's all it's me. Mm-hmm. Now, is your mom still alive at that point? She, yes, she's still alive, and she's still alive today. Wow, well, there you go. And mm-hmm. not far from you? Not far from me at all, nope. So uh, someone to connect with. So with the listeners here, I mean, this is a lot of emotional events, Joe. Yeah, it it was a lot of emotions. Okay, it's piling up on on my show list here. So (laughs) what would you say to the individuals listening about, you know, what was it that you, that really enabled you to get through all of this and to come out the other side and so what are some of the things that you would teach others? I know you actually have a, a program or a topic you do around grief. And I, I get and I get it about how you are qualified to do so. Mm-hmm. So what would you what would you say to some individuals listening to this around overcoming loss and whatever that might be? For individuals, if it's, you know, loss of a marriage, loss of a significant other, loss of a family member, what what would you say to the listeners here to help them overcome that and to push through to the other side? Absolutely. So I do go speak on this, and then I also coach people through these. So I speak on going from grief to great. When we're in the thralls of grief and we're in the thralls, and I am the eternal optimist, and I know not a, not everybody is, but I just thought my husband was going to get a you know, fresh, clean slate, and after Cody graduated, we're just going to be wonderful, and life was just going to be rosy. Well, in reality, that didn't happen. And in reality, every time something, you know, would happen, I'd be like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. And what I tell people, I say, remember, you are stronger than what you give yourself credit for. And sometimes we have to be knocked down to the ground and practically underneath the ground before we realize how strong we really are. So I say, as long as we get up every morning, we've got determination and willpower to get through that day. And what I didn't do for a long time, but I was probably two years out of him passing, and somebody said, you know, you really should journal your thoughts and feelings. You really should write down what you're feeling. And that actually scared me to death. I'm like, I don't want to talk about that kind of stuff. I just want to move on and kind of forget about it. Where in reality, writing it down, you know, nobody else knows what you're writing, but writing it down really kicks it out of your mind and puts it on a paper and then just lets it go. And I started doing that and it was almost like a release and how I started feeling better about myself and how life just started getting better little by little. I also, you know, exercise is a big important thing for me. And I started 
really exercising a lot more than what I had been because I was so engrossed with everything with the family. And then really getting back into finding myself and finding out who Joe is now, um, being widowed and empty nester. And it was really about what does Joe want to do now? What, is, what do I want to do with my life now? And that's really what I teach people because, yeah, uh, grief doesn't have to mean the loss of somebody. It could be the loss of a marriage, the loss of a job, or maybe just losing yourself in life. A lot of people have that happen to themselves. So well, we really uh, Joe, not, to, not to interrupt, but if we think about it, even, even your word around being empty nester, which we are now ourselves just recently, mm-hmm. that is a loss of a dynamic. Now, nobody's passed away, nobody's gone, but it's a loss of something that's been comfortable, something that's been there that right. is now transitioned and moved. So, like you said, or it could be a new job, or they've, they've, they've caused you to move somewhere. And mm-hmm. because you have to move somewhere, you're losing your friends. Yep. So, okay. Yep. So and, that, and that's a huge thing. And so what I tell people, or what I help people with is, like, let's write down exactly what the pros and cons are of everything. You know, there might be more cons right now. But then I really teach the power of positive thinking, how you can reverse those cons and make them into positives. You know, what is it that you can do today to make yourself better? What is one small thing you can do today? Because sometimes people are like, I can't do anything today. Nothing, you know, nothing is working for me. I'm like, wrong. You woke up today. You know, your heart is still beating. That means you've got a pulse and that means you have a life. And that just really means you've got the go-for-it attitude and really to, you know, make small steps forward. And um, Tom Hanks was in that show, um, Sleepless in Seattle, I think it was, Mm -hmm. where he lost his wife. And he said, I'm going to get up and I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. And that's how I'm going to go on this day. And that's exactly what I teach people and what I talk about is, Think of one positive thing every day. And once you do that, think of two positive things. Think of three. Just those small baby steps. And I tell people, take one day at a time. If that's too much, you take an hour at a time. If that's too much, you take a minute at a time. But you keep going and you celebrate the small victories. Well, Joe, the, the, the research supports you 100%, meaning having a thankful or, or, or gratitude significantly improves your immunity system, your whole flow in your life. It is just proven that if I have a thankful heart that I'm going to feel better in versus the opposite, which just drains your, your energy. Right. Well, it drains your energy, drains your physical, and it drains your emotional, but it also starts bringing in physical ailments, emotional ailments. It starts bringing on a not-so-positive attitude. It's And I saw that in myself because when my husband was sick, I also started getting sick because I wasn't being true to who I was because I was so busy, And which it was my honor to be able to take care of him. But I started getting sick, and I started going to the doctor all the time going, what's going on? And they could Mm -hmm. never figure out what was wrong with me. Well, in reality, it was stress. And I had to to use my own words to tell my own self to start thinking positive and start thinking more like things will get better. Once he passed away, I was, I was also at peace because I knew he no longer had to suffer. Mm-hmm. And I no longer had to worry about him because I knew he was in the most glorious place. But I also then had to move on and I had to keep moving forward. And ironically, I always wanted to get my master's degree. So six months after, I went back and got my, I started for my master's degree. 
And that was something I'd always wanted to do. And so I talked to my clients. I said, what is something you've always wanted to do? What is something that just you've always had in the back of your mind that you've always wanted to do? And so I get them to start dreaming again about what they can do or how, what steps they can do to make, you know, go after that dream. A lot of people think their dreams are squashed and they can't do them anymore. Where in reality, you can do anything you want. It's all about choices and choices that we make. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, well, thank you for that. Is you know, encouraging listeners to really overcome these things. We always have a choice. Now, I want to back up. I had a thought, and it's come back to me. The power of tell us a little bit more about the power of journaling. And do you teach this and coach this to your clients? Absolutely. When I started journaling, I, I looked at my blank piece of paper and I was scared to death. I did not know what to write, how to write it. And then somebody said to me, just write whatever comes to your mind. Don't be scared about it. Just let it go. Just write about it. And I'm like, well, I don't know about that. I don't know what's coming out, of my, <laughs> coming out of my pen. But when you do that and you just let it free flow and even put a timer on for five minutes and just let yourself write for five minutes or you know, depending on how, how long. Some days I write for two minutes, some days I write for 20 minutes. So it just kind of depends on the day, depends on what's going on in my life. But that's what I really I teach people. Just let it go. Just whatever comes to your mind, write it down. It doesn't have to be right, wrong, indifferent. It doesn't matter. Just let it go. And once they do that, they start feeling lighter and brighter. And now it's out of their mind, on the paper, and then... They can just move on. And it really is a, it's a mm, almost freeing feeling because of the fact that you've gotten that out now. You've got it out. Whatever was stressing you, whatever was causing this angst is now out on paper and now you can close the book and move on. And that's the best part, I think, for people is when they know they can just close it, move on. And one client said to me not too long ago, she goes, you know, I totally forgot about what I wrote about. I said, good. That's what you should be doing. You should totally forget about it. Because there's always something new every day that's going to be coming up, good, bad, or indifferent. Mm. So if you can forget about it, that's even better. So any strategy, uh, we'll, we'll wrap up the journal thoughts here in a, in a second, but any strategy or recommendations to the listeners about how they go about it? So you said, do I get two minutes? Do I get like a special book? Uh, you know, some people like typing, some people like writing. How do you get me started on this and what do you recommend in terms of the structure and process so that it that it is successful you know that really is the best part it depends on what you feel comfortable with and what I tell people don't stress about it either write it or type it don't stress about it if you write it you know start a word document and just start writing I like to put the dates on it like Thursday February 21st or whatever I like to put the date and the year on it, so if I ever do go back and look at them, I can go, oh, that was happening on this day. I always am thankful, no matter what. I'm always, I always try to be thankful in my journal notes. What am I thankful for today? What are the positive things that have happened to me today? And if, even if it's just one thing that I can think of, I write it down. Because I always want the positive to outweigh the negative. So mm -hmm. I write the positive down, and then I'll start going into whatever else um, um, flows through my mind. You can get a 33-cent journal or you know spiral notebook at your local dollar store. I would pick one up, <coughs> and 
That's what I use. Spiral notebook. Mm. It's easy. I can close it when I'm done and be done with it. Mm. Um, if you feel better typing it, definitely type it out. But I would set a time each day to do it and commit to it for a month. Commit to it for a 30-day and just see if you can do it. Maybe set a timer on your phone or something like that. But commit to it every day for at least 30 days and see how you feel. And again, if it's only for a minute, maybe it's two minutes, maybe it's five minutes, but set a timer on your phone and mm-hmm. develop that new habit of writing. Once you do that, you know, ironically enough, I took my journal notes and turned them into my best-selling book. And that's how my best-selling book came to play. Wow. Wow. So well, let's transition to there, which is your best-selling book is called Go For It, A Woman's Guide to Perseverance. Yeah. So, so here you are. You're now an empty nester. You are on your own with your puppy. Yeah. What are you going through now as far as what's your next step? What business did you get into? So I went back and got my master's degree. I started back and got my master's degree. And also, probably six or eight months after my husband passed, I was approached to run for my local city council. Uh, Whoa, hold the front door. I've never sat on city council. I've never done anything like that. But remember back to my childhood, I used to play on the governor's mansion lawn. I used to go Mm. to the Capitol building. So in retrospect, it was kind of in the back of my head to maybe someday do politics. So I ran, and I still sit on my city council today, eight years later. Really, really enjoy that. I went back and at the same time I started my master's degree. I graduated my master's degree in 2014. One week later, my son graduated with his undergraduate degree. So it was really What's cool that we did. What's your master's degree? What was that? My master's, master's in business and entrepreneurship. Oh, awesome. Yep. All the while, still working my virtual assistant business. I ran that for 10 years. And then after that, I just wanted to get out of the house. I wanted to do something more. So I opened up a little store here, a little retail store here in town. Plus, I ran a U-Haul. And I did that for two years, and then I sold that business. Within that two-year time period is when I had decided to write a book. Because my son, when he was still in college, had came home and said, Mom, we should write a book about our experience with Jim. And I thought, you know, yes, but I'm still, I'm getting my master's. I got my hands full doing that and working and everything else. But it never, lost, never left my mind. So I contacted a publisher, which I used out of L.A., and my book came to fruition, and it was published in January of 2016. And my son is part of it. He wrote the foreword to the book, and he's also on the back cover with me. And it was really about our life, about before, during, and after Jim. And it really talks all about going from the grief to the great, integrated in also with business in there and how I ran my businesses also while dealing with the adversity that had happened in my life. Wow. Wow. Cool. So what's your son doing now? He is 27. He's getting married later this year, has a really good job. Um, And then him and his fiance live uh, pretty close to me, actually. They live, well, probably 12, 14 miles away from me, which in retrospect is close. So yes, he's doing very, very well. I'm very proud of him. What direction is he heading in? What's he doing? I still think he would be a really good entrepreneur. But right now he's in sales, and he does very well at it. He's been in sales almost a year, and they're already looking at him for a promotion. Well, sales is entrepreneurial, Joe, so um, he's, he's kind of, his half of uh, foot is in there already. 
Yeah, and that's what I think too. I'll, I'll tell you, when he was young, he always wanted to, he always wanted money, his own money. So he would sit out in front of our apartment complex when he was like five, and he'd sell his video games and his books and stuff like that. So I said, you already have your entrepreneurial spirit. You started really young. It's just now finding it as an adult. And I said, you will. You know, it took me until I was in my 30s to do it. But, I, you know, he's just, he's very good with people. He's very, very knowledgeable. He reads a lot. He actually got me to read. I never really was a reader up until like five years ago. And he always was encouraging me to read. So I, I do that now. I, I actually make myself a habit. I get up early and I read and spend that time filling my mind with knowledge. Mm. Mm. That's my discipline as well in the morning. I have all these newsletters that come in, and that's what I focus on the first thing in the morning. So, mm -hmm. Joe, when we think about, we only have about eight minutes left. Man, where'd the time go, right? Mm -hmm. um, you're coaching different individuals. You've written the book, Go For It. Um, what are you finding when you're coaching people? What are some of the life skills or strategies that really are coming up that you want to share with the audience that they can embrace and go forward with right after the show? Sure. Well, a lot of them, you know, the fear factor is so prevalent. I, for some reason, that just seems to be ringing a bell with so many people right now. It's the fear of, well, a lot of times it's the fear of losing their job, but also that fear gets them stuck. It gets them stuck. And I said, well, if you're in fear of losing your job, let's talk about different ways we can get you to start expanding into your plan B. You know, or how are you going to do, you know, something else if you do happen to lose your job? And my one client, she works at uh, a job. She's been there for years. And, but on the side, she's had a side gig for over 20 years. She doesn't make a lot of money at it. She goes, well, I suppose I could go selling that. And I said, well, not suppose you can go selling that. You should want to go sell that. If that's a passion of yours, you know, it's really about going after what your passion is she goes, well, it's okay. It brings in a couple extra hundred a month. And I said, okay, well, is it something you th feel you could do full time? And she said, no. So I said, okay, well, let's start working on something you could maybe, you know, do full time and start now. So in case you do lose your job or eventually you can cut back at your job and go full time with it. I did that when I started my businesses. You know, I worked a full-time job and then I'd start my business at night and, you know, I'd work at nights and weekends until I could go full-time with it. And so that's what I really help people with. I help them start thinking outside the box and really like what they can think about. What, what are they good at? You know, people are good at gardening. Some people are good at crocheting. Some people are really good at, you know, sales. Whatever the case may be, I get them to start thinking outside the box a little bit to really start honing in on some skill set that they have that they can really take that to the next level and take that to the next um, fact of even starting that business, making it part-time, making it full-time, and then expanding their brand, use, you know, going out and using media and you know, whatever else comes their way. But it all starts with taking that first step. And sometimes they get so scared, they're like, no, I can't do all that. And I said, well, if you jump into the full thing right away, you're right. It is going to be hard. But that's why we have to take it step by step to get there. So fear is one of them. And so there could be all different kinds of fears that lead into it. What might be some other things that are holding people back that have been in your experience? Uh, Self-doubt. 
their family, you know, they don't want people thinking bad of them. They don't want people thinking that they're going to fail. Why, you know, I've got another client whose spouse is not on board with them. They're very on board. They're ready to start, but the spouse is not. So it's really getting their spouse's approval for them or else they're, you know, they said they wouldn't be able to start the business. So I said, okay, you know, working on different ways. You know, it took me two years to get my husband to move back to South Dakota. Then he was really glad once we did, but it just, it takes those small steps. And I really think it all comes down to people's acknowledgement that they're able to do these type of things. You know, their choice that they're able to do this. And in reality, they're good enough to do it. A lot of people are like, I don't know if I can do it. And I said, you can do it. It's just, if you feel like you need people's approval, which we all do, then let's work on that. Let's work on getting their approval. Show them what you're doing. You know, just do it little by little, and eventually it's going to sink in. A lot of spouses want to see money. You know, that's, be it men, be it women, doesn't matter. So I said, start off by doing a few small sales where you can bring the money in. And it's all about building that, building that self-esteem up and building that charisma up that you know you can do it. And it's so great when they, you know, when they do it and they start bringing the money in and then their spouse comes on board. But again, it's all those little steps. Mm. And then, of course, you help people by being a coach. I do. That yeah. is, you know, my encouragement to everybody listening, and that's why I do coaching, you do coaching, uh, other individuals when we have on our guests and our shows, is you don't need to do it alone. And right. a lot of times the number one detractors are the people closest to you because they're, they're in the negativity or fear with you. Yes, they are. So, so it's really not about you and that you can't do it. It's they can't handle the fear that comes with the uncertainty. Right. So, so part of that, so thank you, Joe, for really sharing that uh, with us. Now, before we get into the, the last uh, segment, the last section, seconds really of the show, Joe, how can they find out more about you? And then you mentioned that you might have a free gift for the listeners as well. I sure do. Absolutely. People can go to my website. And remember, I'm the female Joe, so that's J-O. But my, my website is joehosman.com. So that's J-O-H-A-U-S as in Sam, M-A-N. So joehosman.com. You can also find me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash coaching with Joe and then the number one. Or Twitter, twitter.com forward slash J-O-J-O-V-A. Or LinkedIn. I am under Joe Hosman. Sorry, I think it's Hosman Joe. And then also I'm just starting on Instagram. (laughs) I'm not real good there yet, but I, um, you know, Facebook I have, I'm on there, I'm on Twitter. I have like 22,000 followers on Twitter. And yeah, just really going gangbusters on social media. Oh, awesome, Joe. And we'll make sure everybody that's listening that we put Joe's links in the show notes and whatever sort of platform you're looking at this with. And Joe, what free gift are you going to give everybody? Sure. Well, you just have to email me, joe at joehosman.com, and you will get a free ebook copy of my international best-selling book, Go For It, A Woman's Guide to Perseverance. And we'll put all the details in the show notes for that one. And thank you, Joe, for that. So, Joe, when we're wrapping up the show, and we've covered a lot of stuff already, so thank you for sharing your heart and being open and vulnerable and insightful, all these great verbs and words. What would you like to leave the listeners as really an encouragement as a final thought from Joe today. Yeah, absolutely. 
I say everybody, you are stronger than what you give yourself credit for. So I always want you to be bigger, better, bolder, and stronger with each and every day. And it's all about taking that first step and really reaching your full potential. Because reaching your full potential is not only going to do you good, it's going to do the world good too. Because you are worth it and you are worthy of it. And we need to see you and see what you're made of. And always remember, show some kindness and love along the way because giving a smile to somebody, we just never know how it's going to change their life for the better. Well, Joe, thank you very much for taking the time to be on our show today. Thank you, Ken. Thanks for having me and thanks for being on my show. Go for it. <laughs> it was a pleasure. It was, it was awesome. And you're an awesome host. So we really, really appreciate it. So SOS listeners, thank you for spending your most valuable commodity with us today, and that is your time. As always, we ask, if you like what we're doing, please share, let other people know about it, pass it on, uh, subscribe, leave a positive review in whatever format or platform that you are watching or listening to this show. So thank you again for listening. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.